When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, I think uh, we've been talking about royalty. This is radio royalty. Radio royalty. I don't think it's an exaggeration. David Limbaugh. David Limbaugh, you saw him host for many years, uh, the Rush Limbaugh Show. You know his books. He's written about Christianity. He has a new book. But David Limbaugh, brother of Rush and uh, in his own right, a fantastic lawyer, an expert on all things radio, a great presenter. And he's here with his daughter, Kristen. Kristen, welcome to you both. And uh, the new book, The Resurrected Jesus, The Church in the New Testament. But first of all, hey. Good to see you, David. How are you? Good to see you, Greg. Thanks for having us on. Thank and Chris, you so much. Kristen, um, wow, are you, uh, you wrote a book with your dad. Yes, yes. It's been a wonderful experience, and I was thrilled when Dad asked me about a year and a half ago if I'd be interested. Um, it's a dream come true for me to be a published author, and to do it with Dad has um, been a real blessing. What do your brothers and sisters think, and why <laughs> didn't you ask them? I don't like them as much. <laughs> yeah, they're, obviously I'm they're the favorite failures. child. So. Yeah, they're failures. <laughs> No, they they actually were, were all um, they're all so ex- so supportive and were very excited for me as well. They're all younger too, so they have to agree with me. <laughs> I'm the well, bossy older sister. Well, a couple of years ago, a book like this, I would not have uh, given it any thought. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because I have been late to the game, uh, and now Christianity is extremely important to me. It is the most important thing, and my listeners know that. David, has it always been like that for you? No, I came kicking and screaming in my mid-30s as a skeptic, and uh, I chronicled my faith journey in my first Christian book called Jesus on Trial, which I'm not trying to promote, by the way. I'm trying to promote this one, but, but uh, and it, it, you know, it was uh, my faith journey plus a, an apologetic, you know, a kind of explanation of the reasons that I came to believe. And for somebody out there who is skeptical or who is just living in the world, I mean, the world, the world has been trying to cancel Jesus, cancel yep. Christianity. Yep. yep. And sometimes it seems like they're winning. It does. Um, I'll give you an ironic or paradoxical response to this. I actually think one of the things that reinforced my faith more than, not more than anything, but as much as anything was the pervasiveness of evil in this world. I don't think there's any way to explain it apart from the biblical worldview. <clears throat> and we're, we're living in spiritual warfare, Greg. We now know that the, the, the left, which controls the Democratic Party, is not just grudgingly accepting evil, but championing evil. <clears throat> they are turning, they're distorting language. They're, to them, uh, inclusivity means excluding conservatives and mm-hmm. censoring conservatives. Right is wrong, wrong is right. Murdering babies is glorified. Um, uh, opening the borders, which they deny they do, opening the borders uh, and letting thugs, terrorists, along with good people, but those people, and then 100,000 deaths from fentanyl every year, and then denying they do it, denying that they're, and don't even address it. 
And it's, by the way, it's not incompetence. It's intentional, very intentional. And uh, so there's all kinds of existential threats to the United States as founded. And all they do is drive a wedge on the basis of identity politics. And it's really hurting race relations and gender relations and the rest. And this is, uh, gosh, there's an antidote to just about every single woe we have, yes. in my opinion, and it's Christianity, and so few people are willing to talk about it. They're yeah. even a bashful to bring it up. Hey, before that, Kristen, um, I'm sensing you're not even 30 years old. I'm 29. Thank you. <laughs> um, and, you know, you heard from your dad. He had doubts all the way into his 30s. Me, I just got straightened out for the most part, you know, working on it uh, in my late 40s. Which is amazing. Well, I and what I'm trying to say is, how did you get it? How did you get it figured out so young? Seriously? Uh, well, because I have wonderful God-fearing parents um, who brought me up. I, I actually had the luxury of never doubting my what that my faith is what is the truth because my dad always hammered home um the arguments that can defend Christianity as the way and the truth the the one truth um and my mom was the prayer warrior of our family so every night as a little girl she would say the lord's prayer for us and um she has had a deeply experiential faith and um, told us a story of how mm-hmm. an angel, she believes an angel actually saved her life as a little girl. And so the stories like that and my dad's um, tutelage and the the knowledge aspect of why the Bible is the truth um, helped me. But I went to college and, um, you know, I was in a sorority. So I, I had a little bit of a wayward season, um, nothing too crazy, but I, I did have um, a couple years there where I wasn't questioning my faith, but I um, I was I wasn't putting God at the focus of my life, and I I was feeling so depressed and so empty, and I was kind of hoping that finding the right you know boyfriend would fill that void, or having the perfect career would fill that void, and none of those things were making me happy. And um, it wasn't until I had a girlfriend here in the city that I was interning with, um, we went to lunch one day and she was just sparkling. I mean, she just had this zest for life about her. And I said, you've changed since the last time I saw you. You know, what's going on with you? I thought she had a new boyfriend or something. She goes, no, Kristen, I, Jesus has really opened my eyes to, to the love and the grace that he has for me. And I found myself so jealous of her relationship with, with Jesus. So I asked her, how this happened. She um, gave me a few devotionals, some books. And for the first time that summer, I really felt that God was speaking directly to me through the Bible, through these devotionals. And um, he has taken me on a journey since then. That was probably about eight years ago. And really miraculous things have happened in my life since I opened my heart to him in that way. Wow. And, you know, the journey, it's interesting because as you were talking, I could almost feel it. Some people out there thinking, Oh boy, this doesn't sound like much fun. You know what I mean? This <laughs> yeah, is right. <laughs> but the in my own life and I think all of you as well, once I started getting clued into the truth, that's when life actually started to get really interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's when it started to get fun in a way I never could have comprehended. Yeah. Um it's a journey, isn't it? It's yeah. a journey, yeah. And once you're <clears throat> once you're converted to Christianity or so-called reborn, born again, uh, you're saved for salvation purposes. You're declared righteous for purposes of salvation, but you still sin, and, and, and you're still a sinner, but you have the Holy Spirit uh, indwelling you, so 
you're empowered to overcome sin on a daily basis, uh, but you do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. You're never sin-free until you die and uh, are reunited with Jesus. But, I mean, I'm just giving you a Christian doctrine. I'm not acting like some expert. And uh, so that's that's what it is. But it, it, like you say, we're all works in progress. Mm-hmm. Um, and your brother, by the way, spoke very boldly about this, especially in his, I guess, last two years. Yes. Uh, did he get his start here at WABC in some respects? Yes. Yeah. Well, he actually started in Sacramento, and, and then Ed McLaughlin uh, discovered him and, and syndicated him on 56 or 57 stations initially, one of which was WABC. That was the flagship. So Rush came up here uh, from Sacramento and did a two-hour local show. That was the condition. I think Ed traded out, you know, that we're going to get – we'll give you two hours in exchange for you – running his syndicated two hours. So he had a grueling, imagine four hours. Well, you, you, I, you already do this kind of thing. But what I would hate about that is having to study local New York news and, and play that game. You, you know, but he did it. You know, he's a brilliant, quick study. And so he did that for however long until, he, you know, the, the, the shows, the, the stations exploded. And in no time, I don't know how short, 600 or whatever. And so he was all over and he, he I, uh, eventually dropped the, the New York local show. But yeah, he, he, but you're right. In, in the last two years, he never talked about his faith much. But that's when one of the glories of Christianity, we, through our struggles, we sometimes come closer to God. And, and that's what happened to him. And it was a great, is <clears throat> a great thing to happen. God uses uh, evil for good sometimes, and cancer is an evil. <clears throat> and it brought him closer, and he was so grateful to God. And and he expressed that on his on his show all the time, and it was a cool thing to see. Mm-hmm. Our uh, our listeners, I know, um, miss him a lot. They, um, they 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 still obviously talk about him. He pivotal. What was your what was your relationship like with your uncle? Um, uncle Rush was just so generous my whole life, and he also was. You know, I like to think of him. He was known for his words, but he loved through his actions because. I remember once in high school, I was the lead in my first musical, and he actually flew in and surprised me and to Cape Girardeau, Missouri, which is the town where um, I grew up and where he and dad grew up. And I just couldn't believe that he took time out of his busy schedule to come see me in a, in a musical. Another time, um, dad was bringing my, me and my sisters to New York City for the first time. And um, Uncle Rush was living in Florida at the time, but he flew in to, I guess, was it this studio? WABC. Don't ask me. I have brain I damage. I don't remember but, uh, these stories. It, it was the New York any... Station, and um, and he surprised us in studio there as well. So um, he always took an interest in me and my siblings. He, um, My younger sister, Courtney, has always um, been passionate about filmmaking. He bought her this special um, software so that she could be the best um, editor. I editor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and he always spoke to us. Like we were adults, you know, he wanted us to understand um, why America was great. And he, um, you know, would have dinners and we visited him with um, important people. But he always allowed us to be there and to just kind of sit in. And that was so beneficial for us. Well, folks, I um, I love talking to you, but I got to introduce something unpleasant. It's a voice from the fake news. <laughs> His name is Joe Scarborough. I've been presented this twice today so i think i should run it by you joe scarborough who uh says he's a christian and he brought up jesus in i think a pretty offensive way it was this morning on the msnbc morning joe show let's go ahead and hear this please 
just say, as a Southern Baptist that wow. grew up reading the Bible, maybe a backslidden Baptist, but I still know the Bible. Jesus never once talked about abortion, never once. And it was happening back in ancient times. It was happening during his time. Never once mentioned it and for people perverting the gospel of Jesus Christ down to one issue. It's heresy. Go, if you don't believe me, if that makes you angry, why don't you do something you haven't done in a long time? Open the Bible, open the New Testament, read the red letters. You won't see it there. And yet there are people who are using Jesus as a shield to make 10-year-old rape girls go through a living and breathing hell here on earth. They've also conveniently overlooked the parts of the New Testament, where Jesus talks about taking care of the needy, taking care of those who are helpless, who live a hopeless life, because they believe, these state legislators believe, that life begins at fertilization and ends at childbirth. And Caddy, what a powerful message yesterday from a son. All right. Uh, let me start. Uh, I find him to be a disgusting animal. <laughs> I The way he, the contempt and the way you expressed, the way faith came to you, Kristen, in part, that woman was exuding it and you wanted to know more about it for this guy to use it as a weapon as, and as a wedge. I find totally offensive, but David, please. Uh, yeah, I don't have my blood pressure medicine here, but, <laughs> but, but he... He's part of the hateful left. You know, the left accuses us. It's part of their propaganda of being hateful and intolerant. They are the most intolerant, hateful people. Think about what he just said. Think of Biden's speech with the demons behind him. <clears throat> this, is, this is sick stuff. We're in, we're in the midst of a spiritual war. I don't even know if Scarborough realizes he's a pawn of evil. And, and sorry, Joe, <clears throat> uh, you used to be a man of principle, I think. Oh, maybe you were faking it at the time. But... <clears throat> Christianity, you don't have, of course, the Bible doesn't uh, address every single solitary issue, but it celebrates life. And I, I knew you when I formed you in the womb. Jesus, the God of the Bible, created us, mankind, knowing we would fall. <clears throat> and that when we fell, the only way to redeem us would be to send his son to, to die, become a human being, which is, imagine how, uh, how, how, uh, tough that would be, a perfect God becoming man. So he's fully man and fully God. Uh, how degrading that is. So that he could live among us, die for our sins, so we could be reunited with him upon our saving faith in him, and then live with him in eternity. God created us knowing that he would have to send his son and, and go through all that suffering. Contrast the bliss the Holy Trinity experienced in eternity past with what Christ experienced when he lived on earth and got spit on, tortured, and ultimately crucified. Imagine the, the suffering that the father went through by allowing his son to go through in the Holy Spirit. So Joe Scarborough talks about the Bible not addressing abortion specifically. There are verses that, that hint at it, at the value of life, uh, and we all know the Bible celebrates life, and he's intellectually and morally dishonest because the, the thrust of the Bible is to celebrate human life. And, and, and for him to say, he, he's basically saying that, that uh, the, the, the woman, the, the rights of a woman are more important 
And and by the way, most of this is a false choice. The, the people that yeah. uh, that say you compare a life versus the so-called convenience of the mother, they they act like it's the defense of the mother's life. It almost never is. So Joe is out to lunch as usual. Uh, actually, more so today. Do me a favor, stand by. You guys got a few I more minutes. Yeah, yeah. We'll Absolutely. be right back. Uh, we'll just take it to two thirty. Greg Kelly, Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Oh, yeah. 21 years ago, Sunday was September 11th. Do you guys remember where you were on 9-11? I do. David Limbaugh. We're with David Limbaugh and his daughter, Kristen. They just wrote a a book. It's called The Resurrected Jesus, The Church in the New Testament. Talk about the book specifically in just a moment. But, yeah, where were you on 9-11? I was working. I I was at work, but we had a TV there. And when when all this alarm went off, not alarm, but when everybody was yelling about it, we went and watched it and saw the second one. Yeah. Second Tower. Unbelievable. Where were you? I was in third grade in my classroom, and my teacher brought in a TV, and um, the principal came in. He actually had some wrong information and said that the White House had been struck. So, yeah, it was a terrible day. It was so wild and uh, so terrible, but uh, we did come back. Um, and, uh, well, and Jesus comes back. The resurrected Jesus. Yes. Wow. Why this book? Why now? Uh, what's it all about, David? Okay, the last book was about the was covered the book of Acts and false sick the apostle Paul's first six epistles. This book uh covers Paul's final seven epistles. Four of them were called prison epistles because he wrote them while imprisoned in Rome. Um and the other three for, were the pastoral epistles that he wrote to his colleagues, his fellow evangelists that who were understudies of his. his. But the the reason is the reason we're covering these books is because they're next in line. I want to cover all the New Testament books eventually, uh, but the significance of these books, some of these books, in, is that the early church was committing heresies. Just like today, you have people inside the church trying to dilute the gospel, uh, preach a false gospel, and you you have syncretism where you combine that of the, the other faiths in with Christianity. Christianity is itself. <laughs> the true religion, according to the Christian doctrine, according to what we believe. And so Paul was trying to weed out these heretics and saying, get back to doctrine or the religion will implode in its incipiency. Now, some of the uh, heresies, though, when I was looking through it, I mean, their heresy to me is, and I think this happened, you know, a stepmother hooking up with the stepson, you know, I mean, that kind of stuff happens. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's actually addressed at one point in the Bible. These, some of the heresies are a bit more technical. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, a lot of Christians would be like, is that a heresy or not? Like, is, do we consider Jesus a human or, or not? Well, that, now that, let me address that because mm-hmm. my, my pastor <clears throat> made a, a good point, a helpful, a clarifying point about heresies. A lot of the cults and a lot of the heresies in the early church and still, are one of two things. Christian doctrine is Jesus is fully God and fully man, 100% both, not 50% one, 50% the other. He will always be a human forevermore. And that's so interesting because that's what enables us to relate to him. You know, the, the, God, the God the Father is invisible, and nobody can see God. I mean, you, you, that's throughout the Scripture. But we can actually see God, or the people living on earth when he lived, saw God through Jesus because he's the exact image of the Father. And so they could see the, the God, God, the God man, Jesus Christ. So the heresies either fall in one or two places. Usually they either reject God's humanity 
because, for example, the Gnostics believed that material matter was evil, so Jesus couldn't really have been a man. It was an illusion. He didn't really die on the cross. Well, you can see how that totally blasphemes. That is so right to the core, because without the cross, there is no Christianity. He, without the suffering, there is no Christian. There's no redemption of mankind. Or you deny God's, uh, Jesus' divinity. With denying his divinity, divinity, he couldn't have lived a sinless life, and his death wouldn't have had the power to save us. One human to save all humans who believed him? No. One God-man totally balances the equation. Christian, who is this book for? Like, if you're a new Christian, and I consider myself still a new Christian, I mean, I really started connecting the dots in 2016, 17, 18. Wonderful. Uh, I have a lot of learning left to do. We all do. Um, yes, it's kind of complex. The Bible. <laughs> Where should they start? Should they start with this book? I mean, I think you should start with this book. You should buy it. But where else? The Bible? This? What? Yes. Um, well, I to answer your question, I think that this this book is for people who are skeptics about Christianity and for Christians who want to deepen their faith. Because um, I think something we offer are prayers that accompany the scriptures that can help you have a personal relationship with the scripture, which is God's word. Um, but really, we're trying to point people back to the Bible because that is the Word of God, and that's how God speaks into our lives the most clearly. So we hope that this book piques people's interests. Great things happen when you do that. Uh, the Resurrected Jesus by David Limbaugh and Kristen, Lim- uh, Kristen Limbaugh-Bloom. Sorry to your uh, husband there. Thank you both. <laughs> it wasn't blurbed by Joe Scarborough, oddly enough. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks both. Thank uh, you for having so much. Be right back. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. 